slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle a Whisker, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Throughout September, we'll be taking a look at theatrophobia in horror, which is the extreme fear of doctors or medical tests. But before I introduce tonight's film, just a few general reminders. You can stay connected with us over on X at Handle with Scare. And of course, be sure to join us every Tuesday night for our Twisted Tuesday watch parties, which are held... Uh, Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time over on kick at kick.com forward slash tumbly truck. Now, with that being said, joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host Grindhouse Zombie. And Zombie, uh, you were definitely sorely missed last night's, uh, you know, because of Twisted Tuesday, especially knowing the lack of one of the uh, particular bees for the prior week uh, when we were, you know, watching Dr. Giggles. So, like, to not have you there with, uh, you know, all the cadavers and breasts, uh, was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the same. But, but I will say this, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we were getting towards, uh, closer towards the end of the movie when it was just a flash of gore and tits, and Jess, at one point, just goes, yeah, I'm coming over after this. <laughs> So, no surprise. <laughs> oh, well, totally fair. Yeah, so uh, we had an internet snafu here, and I could not... I mean, there was a point where even my cell phone didn't work, and I'm like, is this the apocalypse coming? And to be perfectly honest, I locked my doors and loaded my guns. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't completely sure. Um, yeah, and then watching it today, um, it, I can tell it would have been a fucking ball. Would have been a fucking ball to to watch with the uh, with the Twisted crew. Uh, yeah, I, funny, you, you talked about cadavers and boobs and there was a lot of cadaver boobs in this movie. (laughs) So, and I'm not completely against that. I mean, there's, you know, I have a, I have a thermometer, so, you know, kind of as long as things are still warm, then whatever. Um, but this movie, I mean, hmm, it, it started out so great and just. Like, okay, we've got a guy, he's doing his thing, he's got to be away from his lady, um, who is Alyssa Milano, who I hate for a whole bunch of different reasons. But it's also interesting that I think she must have gotten past her show in the flesh stage um, after Embrace of the Vampire, because she did not do that. It is good to see that for the raging Democrat that she is, her nipples can still be responsive. I was super happy (laughs) about that. (laughs) absolutely so on tap for tonight's episode we have pathology which was released in 2008 uh which follows the med school student ted gray uh played by uh milo uh ventimiglia of hero fame uh who graduates top of his class uh he is joined uh one of the nation's most prestigious pathology programs and, uh, you know, of course, with all the talent and determination that Ted has, he's quickly noticed by a lot of the uh, more, like, elite band of 
uh, interns there uh, who invite them or him into their crowd. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of intrigue going on with his new friends, and he starts to uncover these secrets that uh, he never quite expected, and, you know, there's all these, like, there, there's obviously, like, a deadly game involved in this movie, uh, there's also some really weird kind of, like, turns and motives that, uh, that the interns have for, uh, why they are partaking or choosing their victims, uh, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of extracurricular activity going on behind the scenes, and uh, at the gist of it is trying to uh, outsmart the others by committing the perfect murder. And of course, uh, things kind of unravel from that point, as you would come to expect. But a lot of it deals with Ted being uh, basically seduced into, uh, you know, kind of like the dark side. Uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of a... Uh, a monologue when they're all sitting down at the bar. Uh, but here, here's one of the reasons why I really appreciate this movie. And it's, it's not so much the, the deadly game aspect of it. I love the fact that this is one of those movies that the actors, you know, they were shadow working with other pathologists. You know, so they got to see that sort of everyday reality of dealing with the cadavers, with the bodies. Uh, so, you know, they were able to watch these autopsies to see how the bodies were being handled. So that meant with the movie, with the approach to the gore and the blood in pathology, it's all reality based. Now, they weren't looking for like this new uh, cruel method to sort of like cut people open when they're on the slab. You know, it's exactly what you would be seeing every day inside of a pathology lab or at a morgue. So it, it there's definitely elements to this that are very grounded in reality and just knowing that it is kind of like a seduction to the dark side and we all kind of have that good and dark sides to us. You know, it, it does feel like, well, yeah, that like a lot of things in this movie do make uh, you know, a, a lot of sense. Like, there's a lot of plausibilities involved. Now, that being said, some of the turns are uh, pretty outlandish in certain spots, which we'll get into. Uh, but it was one of those movies that when I saw back in 2008, I was, like, kind of, like, taken back a bit because, like, yeah, like, you can draw the comparisons to uh, Flatliners for sure. Uh, I, I I didn't bother to see the remake, so I can't really speak too much on uh, on the reboot that they did for Flatliners. But there's uh, really, yeah. there's really not too many, like, med porn, uh, like, just absolute gore fiend type movies out there. And, uh, you know, this one definitely delivered with a B. So, you know, I, it was one that I knew I had to slot in here for the month. Oh, and that's totally fair. Um, so the vibe that I got from this movie was 1996's Crash. I'm assuming you've seen that movie, yep. James Spader, Rosanna Arquette, um, and just really weird, awkward hypersexualism for the sake of it, mm -hmm. which isn't a bad thing. Okay, it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, but with this movie, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this. This is probably going to cue you off to how I felt with the movie. Most of the movie I saw coming from a mile away. So it was a little a little disappointing that it could not have kept itself under wraps longer. Mm -hmm. At the same time, though, when the movie first started, and especially when they had that kid 
on the autopsy table, that was the place where I was like, okay, this movie is going to do something different, you know, because I mean, having a kid on an autopsy table and then Dr. Gray comes in and just gives his, you know, and then, but then right at the end of that scene, they had the one guy, uh, doctor, whatever the fuck his name was, that pulled out like the magical booger. It was like, oh, they're going to give me one of these movies. Okay. Well, I hope there's some good tits in this movie. And turns out there was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was definitely enough to wind Jess up. So uh, mission successful on that front. Not that it really takes too much. Uh, but, yeah, so there, there's really something to be said about about uh just pathology in that line of work you know uh, some people consider it to be like a window to god we have doctors who uh, are seeing these sort of like perversions and corruption of the flesh uh by all means being unnatural and uh you know by violence whether it's by toxin by madness uh all to you know just figure out what the determination for the cause of death is uh, and, you know, as a result of that, you know, it leans into their expertise when it comes to signs of foul play. Uh, and it's really the best in their field can uncover all means of killing, even though uh, even the ones that, you know, might seem undetectable. So with the game that they're playing, you know, obviously initially before we know what the game is, there is a lot of like one upsmanship. It's really, like, proving your worth to, you know, your other colleagues in a sense that, like, okay, you know, we got, like, another guy top of the class coming in, uh, kind of, like, being, in, I wouldn't say, like, intrusive, but obviously, like, he's the new guy on the block, so, like, let's see what he can actually do. Uh, so, right off the bat, you have the two, uh, you have Ted and, uh, okay, I'm trying to remember what the other main... Gallo. The... Yeah, the the other main uh, doctor is Doctor uh, Gallo. Yeah, Doctor yep. G- Jake Gallo. Uh, mm-hmm. So those two constantly are babbling back and forth, trying to one up one another in basically a game of wits, and it kind of like it gets to the point where later on in the movie, uh, the debauchery kind of takes like another turn uh, with uh, the. The bouncer, I guess, would be the best way to put it. And, you know, for me personally, it's like that part of the movie that you're just like, man, what the fuck is actually going on right now? Because you do kind of have like that fever dream type moments. Uh, And of course, you have uh, Ted the next morning who uh, is kind of like late to class. You know, he's obviously not feeling all that well because he really doesn't have any recollection of what had happened the night before. But they do kind of like that weird thing where it's like you feel like you have the sense of wooziness as you're like moving through this. uh, It's not like a warehouse. It's basically like a like a crack den almost really. (laughs) And (laughs) and it's just like you're like, what the hell is actually going on? Like, are we going to a club? And no, like, you know, we see like a random kid in a crib. And then, you know, the next thing we know, like we see the guy's grandmother laying you know, on the bed, and you're like, what the, where the fuck is this going? And it's just like, that is the point of the movie where I'm like, what the hell are we doing at this point? Because obviously, you know, we we have an idea of what the game actually is at that point, but it it really like opened the door to kind of like 
what their grounds are for choosing a victim because i feel like it really differed from person to person they weren't all looking at like the absolute worst humans that you could possibly find or just pulling random people off of the street uh you know some of them attached a story uh to selecting their victim even though it was based on lies which i thought was uh you know, a, a pretty interesting twist, knowing that it was something that she had uh, used on more than one occasion, come to find out. Well, okay. So when the movie starts, you have these people in the morgue, right? And they have what I have now dubbed the morgy, right? <laughs> they're, they're, they have these two dead bodies that they have talking. And, and to me, that really kind of set the tone for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then when you have Dr. Gallo come in and he is basically the same character from Boondock Saints. He's got the pea coat, he's got the spiked hair, he's I mean he's the same guy although I don't think he has nearly the balls or the sentiment of uh the character from that uh, that Sean Patrick played. But I, the whole I, I guess for me, I struggle with the walking into like at this what is supposed to be an elite program like this, and you'd have people acting like such fucking assholes. <laughs> I it seems to me that Q, and you know who I mean when I say Q, I think he would have put a stop to that, but like he somehow seemed like super oblivious to it. Um, but then as this guy goes to the program and he's like trying to make friends, and he gets like he, he the, like hey come out with us one night and they go out for a beer and then he gets sort of left as Dr. Gallo is going to go out and I'm guessing get it on with uh, the two we'll call them the hot pathologists Um, but it's I'm going to say this now the people in this movie are everything that is hateable about this world Hmm. everything they're they're smart they're rich they're uh, they have uh, opportunities that are unbelievable to most of us, and they all collectively piss them away in search of like playing this this game. And this and this game is something that the rest of us are never going to know. Now, would a lot of us like to play this game? I think so. Yeah, I think I would love to, you know, go onto a freeway off ramp and. The homeless guy with the sign that says "Work for food," put him in the back of my car, and at some point kill him. That would be fine. It, it, that wouldn't bother me in the least. Um, but it, it's it's so. I'm going to call it out of touch, just with the way things actually are. And to your point about when Gallo takes out Doctor Gray, and they go to that place, and there's the kid in the crib, which is like that kid was like super off putting. Like, oh my god, like the. And then there's that kind of grandma in that thing. And you find out later it was that guy's grandmother that he was whoring out. It's like it this movie, it it, it takes you to a place that is so like dirty and decrepit and just like yucky <laughs> that you're just like, I don't even know what to do here. And so when the guy turns up dead, you're just kind of like, well, yeah, of, of course. I mean, why wouldn't somebody kill him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I oh yuck just yuck. Yeah, Why did you make me watch this? Why did you make me watch this? <laughs> meanwhile, God the whole damn. meanwhile the whole time I'm thinking like, who the fuck is gonna pay one fifty? <laughs> mm-hmm. As as the as the guy would say at the door, 
Yeah. Well, I, and apparently, grandma's only worth 80 bucks as a twofer. So wow. just remember that. Wow. <laughs> if you ever have to whore out your grandma, she's only worth 80 bucks as a twofer. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, why, dude? Why, <laughs> why did you make me watch this? I, oh, okay. Move on. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so obviously uh, we were introduced to Gwen, who is, you know, Ted's fiance pretty early on uh, in the movie. But, you know, we don't really see her too much outside of uh, like one of the uh, I don't know if it's a, like a reception or if it's a ball. It's some sort of like get together. Uh, and I remember like when, you know, we first see, you know, her character in the movie and then when we see her at at like the formal and i was just like holy shit like she really does clean up nice and like it's like a night and day differential yeah. compared to like mm -hmm. our first glimpse of her in the movie so i was definitely appreciative of uh of that point but of course like oh. really early on at that uh you know during like the interactions there of course we do meet the other interns uh you know Gallo is just being a complete douchebag, as you would come to expect, uh, basically causing a scene. Uh, you know, there's a lot of comments about, you know, corpses kind of like thrown out there. Uh, and not, yeah. I wouldn't say it's too like, it's obviously not meant to uh, lean into the game that they're actually playing, because uh, obviously like they don't really want anyone to know uh, at that point. But I, I thought it was really entertaining just knowing that, you know, you, you know, you had Gwen who was just leaning into, you know, the, the whole conversation and just joking around and, uh, you know, being a part of that conversation rather than being like, what the fuck are you actually talking about? You know, it's like the, oh, yeah, you know, Teddy hangs with the best of them, you know, shit like that. Well, yeah, but I think that was also the point where Gallo figured out that, um, Dr. Gray was banging Juliet. Mm -hmm. Like he really like it was like, and it was kind of one of the small and rare moments in the movie where that guy was tipped back on his heels and was like, oh shit, what do I do? So he just kept kind of going more and more into it and just getting and going back a little earlier before before this like gala that they were at, when the girlfriend came to the house. And she walked in and I mean, because I mean, let's be honest here. When he went back to visit her and she was like, I have a surprise for you. I'm not coming in two months. I'm coming now. He was just like, fuck. OK, <laughs> party's over. She fucking ruined it. Um, But then she comes to his house and she finds basically what is a meth pipe. Mm -hmm. yeah, and he was like, I'm just holding that for a friend. I'm like, fucking dude, really? Like, that's the best that you got. You're holding it for a friend. And. Forgive me for saying so, but if you're fucking stupid enough to buy that shit, <laughs> then, you know, I mean, come on. Let's just, I mean, people are going to be people. They're going to do what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. But it's like, at some point, you cannot be, like, the innocent victim in the whole thing. It's like you had to see some of this shit coming. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then after the big party and kind of like the big dust up, especially with, like, because Juliet wasn't helping either. She definitely was not helping the whole, the cause, we'll call it. Um but that scene where that scene's kind of like where for for Ted Gray, that, that's like where his world start to collide, you know, where he's he's gone away from her and he has every fucking opportunity. Like the father in law is giving him this and he's he's just going to do great and whatever else. 
And it's like, it seems to be like the crux of where things start to really spiral and really kind of fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so that piece of it, like I totally got, it's like, okay, here's where the fucking wheels are coming off and this should be fun. Yeah. I, I just love the fact that, uh, you know, when she does find <laughs> the method space is like, yeah, I'm just holding it for a friend. Like, do, do I look like someone who would do that? And he's, he's very frantic about it too. And it's like in that moment, you're like, uh, yeah, you kind of do. Like, uh, there's obviously something that has already changed with Teddy at that point in time because he has been partaking in all these, uh, you know, extracurricular activities on after hours games, uh, you know, in the morgue at this point. Uh, but yeah, at no point. Like if you're if you're in the other person's shoes, are you actually buying into that? Uh, to to say the least. But knowing that you know Juliet uh, hasn't been faithful to her man <laughs> in this case, you know when when we see Gal uh, Gallo like blow up at the gala, you know you have that like kind of like standoff moment where he's like, "I fucking own you," <laughs> and you know she storms off. And, you know, just creates a scene. Shit's just dropping everywhere at that point in time. Of course, that puts her in prime position to uh, find herself on the wrong end of the slip. In this case in time. So, uh, you know, Gallo has, uh, you know, the next victim for the game, so to speak. Uh, and, of course, you know, like at, at the end, you know, you're you're... You're trying to outdo everyone else, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, it's it's division by numbers, essentially. You know, you're going to be trying to be the, like the last man standing. And, uh, you know, sure, sure enough, the numbers do start to thin. Well, sure. But I mean, between Dr. Gray uh, taking that patient room that Juliet gives him, going up there and working his magic. And then later, she works her magic on him by taking him to the fat bastard's house. And for the record, the fat bastard was the actor Larry Drake from our previous movie, Dr. Giggles, which was really kind of fun. But it was weird to see Dr. Giggles get lit up on weed and whippets. That was just <laughs> like, I okay, but mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. But like also like freezing his lungs from the inside out. I mean, so there was like a lot of really cool, I think you said it earlier, a lot of really cool like medical things happening. And so many of the of the scenes in this in this movie, they did such a great job of like reaching medically, mm-hmm. but making it believable. Um Yeah, but then we like when we start really getting into we'll call it the meat of this whole thing and, and you really start to understand the game. Um and especially after the girlfriend comes to town and it's like, well, you know, this isn't going to work. And I, I don't know. There's, it's pissing me off again. Cause you're starting to like, make me like this movie, even <laughs> though I didn't like it. Um, but there's a lot of good scenes in it. And the, the medicalness of this movie, the, just the pure medicalness, the, you know, doing the Y incision and going whatever else, mm-hmm. There's so many parts of it that are so, that are honestly so good, and they're so real. Like you don't even feel off put by it. You're just like, well, that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. But then, like you think about it later, and you're like, oh shit, that's what actually happens. Son of a bitch, that looks awful. So I, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, uh, I still, I still don't like you for making me watch this movie, but that's okay. <laughs> Well, uh, that's fine. That's that's fair. 
Uh, so yeah, go, going back to, you know, the fat bastard, uh, this is what I was mentioning with, uh, Juliet, uh, com like, concocting the story of, uh, you know, basically saying, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, he was my father, he raped me when I was younger, uh, and then, of course, right after they commit the murder, they hook up. <laughs> and I remember, you know, during Literally the watch- on, during on the floor <laughs> yeah. with the body on the couch. Yep. Yeah, just so, propped I mean, up. And I, I I remember Jess is just like, well, murder makes her horny. <laughs> you know, definitely one of those, uh, coming from a true crime fanatic, that did not surprise me in, in the least. Uh, but of course, you know, the next day when they're, you know, examining the body at, at this point, you know, Gallo's pretty quick to pick up on the fact that, like, oh, like, you really think uh, our our little Miss Juliet could, uh, you know, figure that out all by herself? You know, yeah. there, there was too much going on in uh, the actual kill process for it to just be, uh, you know, one person. And obviously, you know, Gallo thinks uh, fairly highly of, of Ted, even though, you know, he still thinks he is the better between the two. Uh, at that point in time, uh, but but the whole idea of you know slipping someone you know had the note uh, in regards to like you know a potential victim in this case, as you had mentioned, uh, we basically had this guy who ended up killing his family, uh, and then he tried to commit suicide, uh, but you know didn't quite get the job done. Uh, so you know he's just sitting there, obviously hooked up to everything on, on the bed there and uh you know ted just thought you know he wanted to die so you know just went along with it you know didn't really think anything of it not really even knowing uh the, the full story initially until he actually got there and he was like going through all of you know the paperwork really but he also you know was over here and kind of like this the story from the other doctor uh that was present in that scene as well but i i i think in the grand scheme of things one of the things that, like, really stands out about this movie that, like, helps uh, kind of, like, bring everything to life is we, we've we all kind of, like, had that thought of, like, well, if we could get away with murder, would we actually do it and how would we do it? I think we've all had that, like, train of thought where, like, okay, how would we uh, actually kill someone or, you know, dispose of the body? We've all been there at some point or another. Uh, and, you know, there's a point in the movie... Uh, and this is, you know, when they're all sitting down at the bar, you know, they're having their drinks. Uh, and Ted just basically calls them all out on their shit. Uh, you know, he's like, you know, we're, we're all animals, right? You know, we will kill only if we could get away with it. And then, you know, sure enough, that's exactly what they end up doing. Uh, both, you know, to the other victims who, you know, they're choosing and also one another in this case. Well, yeah, there's definitely like an Agatha Christie novel buried in this somewhere, um, which uh, honestly is is, is kind of cool. But but, you know, uh, watching the movie tonight, it, it just. Unfortunately for me, it, it felt like a bunch of ultra rich, ultra smart douchebags doing whatever they want because they could. Right. Um, now. Does everybody get that to a certain extent? I mean, because we all do what we can because we can. And it's it's it might not be murder, but it might be speeding or it might be, you know, 
not scanning that one bag of mulch at Home Depot. And that, that might be what it is. Um, but these people are are borderline over the top because even if I go to Home Depot and I buy four bags of mulch but only pay for three, I don't go home and have like some really spastic sex over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a little bit like, well, okay. Um, but that's why it brings me back to that movie Crash because the movie Crash is the same like spastic sex movie that this movie is. And just the things that you're doing and the things that you're trying to, I don't know, hold on. And especially with, with Dr. Gallo and, and Dr. Gray and this whole like trying to be number one thing. Um, there's a piece of me that gets it, but when it comes to cinema and, and comes to the people that watch it, it's, it ends up a little lost on me because I don't think anybody that, especially the people like that I know, I mean, and maybe I don't know enough about life, but uh, there's, I don't think anybody fights that hard to be number one. And just the, the game itself is honestly super interesting because I like, there's a piece of me that like gets wanting to be number one, but I don't think that I would do it uh, with murder. Mm -hmm. I think I think that I would do it with like the work that I do and just like try to like I don't think murder is where I would go. Now definitely I don't have the skills that these these people do and the the game itself is fun and I'll tell you what for the one guy who was had who had killed his family and whatever else the needle in the ear goddamn there was something about that that made my asshole pucker like you would not believe. And that's a pretty rare thing for me that my asshole puckers up a little bit because I'm 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 pushing 50, so my asshole is usually pretty kind of flared out and just doing whatever it wants. Mm -hmm. That one made it that one made it clench up and it was like, oh wow. Um but then again, like I we we said, like the girlfriend announcing that she's coming to town, you know, as a surprise, it was like, God, man, fucking party's over. Like, damn, it's just over. You know, I, I do find it interesting, too, that, uh, you know, when it comes to the school, uh, you know, Q basically knew, like, a lot of the people, like, within the circle, or at least, like, the like the family that Ted was marrying into, and, you know, held them to, to pretty high regard. I, I think for me, though, it's just like, well, did he... I, it didn't seem like he had any knowledge of any of this going on, which is definitely kind of like hard to believe knowing just like how prestigious this school actually is. Cause you, you can't imagine that, you know, like all this shit's going on and like they, they wouldn't have like at least some semblance of an idea. Uh, you know, especially after like that first kill moment, because they, they kind of like do that thing where, uh, you know, you, you have Ted after his first murder and like the next day, uh, Gallo is just, like, kind of, like, walking him through things, uh, saying, like, kind of, like, going through the steps of, like, what sort of, like, emotions he's gonna be feeling, like, oh, yeah, you know, you're gonna be up all night, you're not gonna be able to sleep, uh, you know, the next day you're just gonna be worrying about whether or not, you know, anyone noticed or saw you, or, like, if, you know, like, maybe he had a misstep or, or anything along the ways when he's committing the actual murder in itself, and then, like, the next day, you know, that feeling is going to be kind of, like, washed over you because like it, the realization starts to sink in like yes you actually got away with it and just like the whole approach that they took to that uh definitely uh drew me in as well but yeah there's just there's just something about the characters in, in themselves that's just like yeah you know 
they might have like a ridiculous IQ, uh, but there's just there is that level of arrogance to them. Uh, but it's just like if you don't really care for you know the characters, then obviously like when it comes to them getting offed one by one, then at that point you really don't care how it happens. But I I love the fact that because of how smart they are, it really leans into. You know, the different ways uh, that they approach the murder. And I, I love the whole, like, uh, like figuring out like how it actually happened at that point, too. You know, that's one of the reasons why uh, a lot of people were really drawn into, like, House MD, for example. You know, they, they loved, like, the unraveling of the story kind of, like, behind, you know, the different cases that, uh, you know, are shown throughout the course of, you know, the series. That's funny that you say that because there was definitely a point in this movie where I was waiting for House to just walk in with his cane and just be like, no, you're wrong, you know. But then you also get that, you know, it was Colonel Mustard in the library with a candlestick. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, well, shit. But there were, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of points in this movie. um, And definitely before you get to our big crescendo, but they, they almost like, there's a series of shots in this movie where they are passing over quickly. I think passing over people that have died and, and like, they're like doing the guessing game. And and it's like, as opposed to, it's like, Hey, somebody was effectively murdered by this group, but they just have one doctor just go, ah, fuck you. Okay. You, you figured it out. Um, and that I think as, as much as I don't like elitism, in our society, <clears throat> it scares me even more to think that, that there are people that are so elite that they can be murdering our downtrodden sector of society and nobody gives a shit. That's even scarier to me. Um, there's also a piece of me that gets it because I probably would murder them too because whatever. But it's like, it scares me that it could happen. But even with, you know, going to like this big grand ball that they go to and and then when Juliet keeps keeps showing up, and there's there's a scene in this movie where they're in what looks like maybe a back room of his of his building where they like kind of go into it, and she's gonna be like, he's like, you shouldn't be here, and she's like, well, but I'm gonna suck your dick, so things will be fine. And he's like, okay, but, <laughs> but it also made me think of the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall, okay, um, and and he's like, hey. He refused a blowjob from his ex mid blowjob. Do you know what that takes as a man? <laughs> like, so I actually kind of laughed out loud at that. Um, but just with the with the girlfriend, and I mean, probably the hardest part of this movie is that this guy has fucking everything. Mm-hmm. He has everything. You know, there's there's nothing that he wants for. All he has to do is walk a line. That's all he has to do, and he can't even do that. And it's a piece of, I think, what makes me disappointed in the society, because when things are so fucking simple and all you have to do is do your part, but it's like you somehow want more, and it's like doesn't matter whether you want more if you're a garbage man or whether you want more if you're this, like, highfalutin doctor guy, it's like the search for more, I think, is what kills us as a people because we always want, quote-unquote, more, and it's like, why not be, I mean, because, I mean, granted, He's got Alyssa Milano, yeah, and she's a fucking bleeding heart Democrat, but I mean, she's still hot, so <laughs> that's that's good enough. 
Um, you know, he's going to be a doctor. He's probably going to be a end up being a world-renowned pathologist, but it's like he still has to get involved in this damn game. And it's like, dude, just like take one step back and appreciate what you fucking have. Yep. People can't do that, though. It's always uh, chasing the next thing, you know? Well, I mean, and which is, I think, uh, is probably part of the human spirit. But at the same time, it's like you have to know you have to be able to be okay with the fact that you've won Mm -hmm. and just like, you know what? Like you have the great job, you have the great house, you have the great girl who likes a perfect color. You have to understand that things are just okay and not like continue to reach. Because I think it's like, like the continuing to reach, like the looking for the grass is always greener thing is what kills so many people. And just brings them down to a place where they just can't get. I don't want to even say ahead. They just can't be okay with what they are and just like live life and enjoy it and smile. Absolutely. And uh, of course, when it comes to, you know, the deadly game involved in pathology, we do have that moment where, uh, as you would come to expect, because this is a this is a trope in these movies. uh, Teddy is just like, yeah, I want out. And of course, you know, in in that moment, (laughs) you know, you know, you, uh, you, okay, the very obvious explanation here is, uh, well, really, you, you, you can't get out. Well, I mean, obviously, there's one way out, and we, we, we all know what it is, you know, it's for you to die, and you know, it's like being six feet under. Uh, but it's just the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, if you want to, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, go ahead. But, uh, yeah, you know, we could, uh, trace you back to the scene of the crime, you know, you really don't have any recollection of, you know, what had happened the night before at the cracked end when, uh, you know, we, we off the, uh, the bouncer who was paping out his grandma. <laughs> so it's just like, it, it was one of those scenes where it's like, okay, you know, there, there are definitely elements to, this sort of uh, story formula that are very beat by beat. Uh, But, you know, like, I I get that. So I understand where you're coming from when it comes to some of the more predictable uh, predictable elements to the way that this story is structured. But I I think really the thing that uh, keeps your attention is one one I already mentioned, which was it just being more grounded in uh, reality when it comes to the whole pathology. And, you know, if that's not your thing, I completely understand it. Uh, but then again, you probably wouldn't be watching a movie about pathology if you didn't have at least, uh, you know, some curious about, you know, the whole med porn aspect of this movie. And there is a lot of it. Uh, oh, yeah. and, oh. it and I'll be honest, like... At, that has, like, never been something that just really, like, drew my attention... But just to see it on full display throughout this movie, it was like one of the first times where I'm like, man, like we're we're in it. <laughs> like we're definitely not holding back. And just the fact that it, it it was so realistic, I'm just like, man, like I can't imagine doing this. But it wasn't something that I was shying away from watching, which uh, is definitely interesting because, you know, we we see how gnarly some of the, you know, incisions are. You know, you see, like, the whole rib cage opening, uh, essentially. You know, we have the the cutting of the, you know, the poop pipe (laughs) at one point in the movie. It's like, Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you might want to be careful where, you know, you're... uh, 
you know, do an incision in this in this case. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, even if you have a really high IQ, you can still be a fuck up. Just ask that guy. <laughs> well, and, and I think the one thing that this movie actually really does have going for it is the very casual but meaningful approach that they have to like the autopsies and things like that. They are very matter of fact about it. And it is between, uh, you know, using your your backyard limb lopper to cut out the rib cage to the, you know, cutting off the brain pan and whacking it with a chisel a couple of times until the, the, the skull falls off and the brain falls off. Um, they make it they make it a little bit of sort of laissez faire mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, there's just organs. I mean, the one guy, uh, I think it was uh, what the fuck Gallo throws a liver at. Stravinsky and just like wax him in the back, like a whole liver. Mm -hmm. And the odd part was it looked like a whole liver. Now I know, I, I know that it was a cow liver because I cooked enough liver in my earlier years at a restaurant that I know that was a cow liver, but it's still very just like, okay. So if you worked in the morgue and you had to be somebody that was subjected to some kind of, we'll call it initiation slash, you know, bullying slash whatever else, and somebody threw a liver at you, that probably would just be what happened day to day. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was in one way, it was kind of awesome. And in another way, it was kind of like completely unsettling. But it sort of grounded you in that this is going to be a complete and utter body horror movie. Mm -hmm. There, There's no, the body horror is the only horror in this movie. And but it cements it and it does it does a really good job of just being like, I hope you like intestines because we're going to show you some eventually. And especially if somebody cuts the wrong place and they hit the poop pipe <laughs> and it's just and the thing is going to spray like a plug sewer. It's it does a great job of that. A great fucking job. Yeah. So uh, if you were ever wondering how we got the poo poo platter in, uh, you know, 13, <laughs> 13 beloved. <laughs> There you go. Everything comes yeah. full circle here on Handle But Scary. You know, it's, it was only a matter of time. Uh, but Every, Everything is connected. <laughs> everything is connected. Even if it's loosely and by accident, it's yep. a connected. Yep. <laughs> you, know, just, <laughs> you know, just like the fat bastard and, uh, you know, Dr. Eels in this case. I, I, you know, going into that, I, I was not even thinking that, <laughs> like, at all. And I was like... I had never seen it, so I had no idea. It was like, oh my god, it's fucking Larry Drake in like a white tank top and his white boxers, mm -hmm. and he's basically a he's basically a crackhead at this point. Yeah, you know, but she shows up at pretending to be his daughter, and he was like, oh, so this is medical grade and whatever else, and it was like, oh my god, and then just the the fucking lung freezing whipping thing was just, <laughs> oh my god, I, but you know, I. So many parts of this, uh, and I'm going to say it again, the, I think whoever made this movie went really far out of their way to make things very medically accurate. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, to the point where I was waiting for House to show up and just go, mm-hmm, that's how that would happen. Uh, it, it's, it's so good and it's so, I think, real to life that you, this is the hard part. It's so good and it's so real to life that you see it through much, so much throughout the movie that you get to a point where you're almost desensitized to it. And that's probably the one place where it's like, 
well, okay, so they're having another autopsy. That's great. Mm -hmm. Until, until <laughs> we get to the very end, we have the very probably not going to happen autopsy <laughs> where our Dr. Gray gets to do the autopsy mm -hmm. of his fiance. And I'm not an expert, but I know a conflict of interest when I see oh, one. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, yeah. So I'm, I don't care how much money you have. I don't think that they would ever let you do an autopsy of your fiance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely not. You know, it's, it's, very akin to like the uh the cop trope of you know you're you're too attached to the case <laughs> you know yes so we exactly gotta take right. you off <laughs> uh but yeah of course that comes uh after ted's attempt to uh you know kill the group only to find yes. out that uh you know drake gallo had survived uh and you know because of that uh that basically puts a beeline between gallo and gwen uh so you know we have that moment uh where, you know, Gallo shows up to, you know, the really nice place that uh, that Ted has in this case. And, uh, you know, he returns home to find that his fiance has been murdered. Well, I wonder, I wonder, though, do you think so in that scene where they had the they had that little brass nozzle coming out of the scene and you can see that little cloudy gas coming out and then everything blows up. Do you think at that point? Because it, it seemed to me like there was a point where the filmmaker was like, um, so they had Juliet on the table and she was naked. Mm -hmm. Awesome for the record. Um, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure she was dead at that point. Like I don't like I don't a hundred percent know. Um, because I don't think Gallo I honestly don't think Gallo could have killed her. I think he had too much of a connection to her. I think he might have like doped her up or she might have been asleep in some way or whatever else, but I'm not sure she was dead until the whole room fucking blew up. And then that light from the ceiling fell on. <laughs> it was like there was fire everywhere. But I, I wonder about that. If, like if she was actually dead and I don't know because she still looked pretty pink and perky. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I, I, I struggle with that one. Like, and even if she, at that point, even if she was, she was pink enough that I still would have giving her the old heave hole. So, um, but yeah, that, and then they, they give you that weird, and obviously pre this, but they give you that hooded Unabomber guy that kind of runs around, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but then after, after he comes in, he finds her amongst all those pictures and she's dead and he's like freaking out. And then he has to have, he has to have his big talk with, uh, what the fuck was his name? Dr. Dr. Morris, and he has to is like, well, I hope that you can stand up and tell her parents that you went against their wishes. And it was like, <laughs> I don't think this is one of those things where it fucking mattered at all what the parents thought. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that you would just be pushed to the side and somebody who is not involved at all would probably come in and probably do this autopsy. Right. Like the yeah. main doctor. <laughs> well, like the main doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm, but there is something and I'm, I'm going to say this now, just me being me. There's something that was kind of hot about the fucking latex, semi-skeletal, nice <laughs> landing strip Alyssa Milano that they had going on. <laughs> there was like, I mean, I, there was a piece of me that was like, I wonder if somebody sells that because I might buy it, you know, like, oh, because that was. But then again, going back to the 
how they approach the the medical pieces of this so straightforward. And when he just started cutting and it was just like, oh, dude, wow. Okay, well, so you're doing it. Okay, so let's let's get in there. Let's see what happens. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to your point about whether or not she was dead, I, I think just with the way that Gallo w was acting, like he, he seemed pretty sure of himself. Uh, so I, I was assuming that uh, she was at that point, not necessarily just, you know, from, uh, you know, the explosion uh, in this case. But of course, you know, the the big uh, cherry on top when it comes to the revenge subplot of this movie uh, with Ted is, you know, that final standoff with Gallo, uh, where we basically are doing an, uh, an autopsy report uh, when he is still alive. Uh, so the way that they set this up is Ted is basically doing the same thing that Gallo had uh, you know, did to his fiance. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, just just the thought of that one Fantastic. You know, that's definitely a genius way of uh, actually seeking out your revenge. Knowing, too, uh, that they had a very uh, specific amount of time to actually, you know, conduct the autopsy on, on top of that. And it's just that, that thought yeah. of, like, you know, you're just laying there on the slab and you're just not able to do anything and you're feeling every single, you know, barb through your body uh, throughout this this oh, whole fuck, thing and it's just like oh dude. man it's so brutal i hope my autopsy is that good i honestly do i hope that i'm a well maybe 80 60 plus years old and that like my autopsy is just that good that i'm half alive and i've just got people just being like going and i'm just like blinking my eyes like blink 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 because, I mean, going back to the, like, very early in the movie when they do one of their first autopsies and the body starts twitching mm -hmm. and he goes all walking dead and stabs it in the back of the head. It was like, what the f I mean, that was, uh, that moment was probably one of the most, like, what the fuck movie, like, just moments in this entire movie. Like, why is that? And he was like, oh, he cut this nerve and did whatever else because sometimes the body doesn't know it's dead. And it's mm -hmm. like, like, for me like that moment probably set the tone for the entire movie. Like when the body doesn't know it's dead. Mm -hmm. And I think they keep giving it to you through this entire movie. And I'm going to say this and it's, it's not going to be popular, but I'll tell you what, with giving Gallo his autopsy. And I mean, and let's face it, this, this prick had it coming. He was just a, he was just a fucking douche hammer, but going back to when, um, Dr. Gray was doing the autopsy of the the fiance. There's got to be a moment where he was like, I think I could get one more out of this. <laughs> I bet I can get one more. I bet I can. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking he did. So, cause she had, she was just perfect. And she had a nice little Lenin strip going on. And they showed that Lenin strip more times than I could even count. It was like, wow, <laughs> wow. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Um, I, like I, I don't know. I, going through the whole thing and, I'll admit, though, like I did not see I did not see the very end of this movie coming. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of rare for me. Like, like I I sort of had this vision of what it was going to be like. And then when what's his face, uh, Stravinsky comes in, it was like, where the fuck did he come from? Right. <laughs> and like, why the fuck is he helping? I mean, because I, the the actor that plays Stravinsky was the same guy that played um, 
the weird brother in Wedding Crashers, the guy who was like the painter and whatever else. And it was like, I wonder if he knows he's playing the same character again, <laughs> like basically. Um, but I didn't see this coming. I didn't. I didn't see like the end live autopsy thing coming. And I'll admit the end was pretty good, um, because mostly for me because I didn't see it coming. But it was just like, but still the medical stuff where they're slicing. I mean, it, whoever did the effects in this whole thing, they really knew their shit because they this there were so many moments in this where it's like it felt super real. And I don't think super real is necessarily horrific. It's not like horrific, but it gives you that like, ugh, like this, like, like that fucking feeling of like, oh my God, you know? And like, I hoped my loved one didn't go through this, but at the same time, I know that they did. Um, I don't know. It's, there's something that's just fucking uber creepy about it. And it, overall, the movie, uh, I mean, like I said, I I saw most of it coming. Um, it definitely felt a lot like Crash from '96. It did totally did. Um, but there were some spots in this movie where I was fucking creeped out, and that's a that's a pretty rare thing these days. I don't get creeped out by much, but there there was some times in the movie where I just was like, "Oof, shit." Okay, and so you know, on that on that regard, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the movie did it. Yeah, and I think with like the the medical approach too, it's I, I think for me, uh, what when it comes to like what I can and cannot stomach, you know, like the the autopsy aspects of this movie, I was perfectly okay with. I think where I kind of like draw the line when it comes to like the the realistic gore aspect uh, is more when it comes to like surgical procedures, and you're seeing the body could open that way, and then you you know obviously you see you know, the incisions and the blood flowing and things like that. That, to me, is much more traumatic of, like, a viewing experience as opposed to, you know, a lot of stuff involved in pathology here. Uh, but but either way, you know, this is definitely one of those movies where it's, like, yeah, a lot of it is going to boil down to if you can get invested in the characters. But I I, I just think their, their very smart approach with the autopsies is enough to, you know, just warrant the viewing experience trying to like figure out like okay well like how did they actually do the murders uh you know before we actually get to the game itself when we when we start to see a little bit more of it and start to like peel back the layers a bit is definitely enough to uh grab your attention and if that doesn't it's the other aspect of the bees uh which will definitely grab your attention by the end of the movie and uh yeah great end into the film as well uh so Really, with with med horror movies, you know, the the ones that I will circle back to and granted, it had been like 14 years since I had seen uh, pathology. So, you know, going through it again, it was like it was almost like watching it for the first time all over because like, it's so many years at this point in time. Uh, but I, I I always go back to uh, excision, <laughs> which is another uh Hypersexual movie, <laughs> which is also surgical based, and There's uh, a shocker. There's and, a shocker. and American <laughs> Mary, because obviously I'm yeah. a I'm a twisted twin. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. In this case, and both no. of them would definitely fall in line. But yes, fun, funny enough, how all of them kind of uh, you know thread the needle on that line. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, walking the line is uh, between real life and horror is like kind of the point of horror, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
Now, again, for this movie, the medical stuff was above reproach. It honestly was above reproach. When he's doing the autopsy on the fiance and he does the needle through the eyelid into the eyeball and pulls that out, if that does not, not make your balls fall off and run for the nearest mouse hole, I don't know what's gonna I don't know what's gonna do it for you. There's just something wrong with you. You are you are you are it just impenetrable, which I mean, if that works for you, that works for you. Um yeah, the body horror in this was fantastic. Um the hard part is that the body horror often came with a comical side. Um, so it it sort of dulled it down a little bit, like as far as that goes. And towards the end, they got a little more serious. And and that's 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 a good thing, I think. Um, I still don't understand where Stravinsky came from and why he was helping Dr. Gray. I still don't get that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sure, he was bullied uh, during just like the one scene. But, you know, more times than not, he was kind of just a background noise in the movie. Well, exactly. I mean, he was I mean, it, all, all the times you saw him in this movie, he was either going welcome to the welcome to the, the to the med program or he was had somebody throwing a human liver at him. Mm-hmm. So it's like he didn't he didn't have a lot of time to build up like who he was supposed to be. And I definitely didn't see him being the Igor in this whole thing. Um, but anyway, I mean, for the end of this, I mean, it's like. Gallo got what he had coming. He totally did. You know, having um, having killed Juliet, having killed um, uh, uh, Gwen and just being the fucking spiky haired peacoat bastard that he was. He just honestly had it fucking coming. So that uh, getting to the end of this, I mean, it, I'll admit that there was a piece of me that was like, and I, I generally don't like clean wrap ups. Like I, I like when a movie leaves you with a little something, this was a fairly clean wrap up. And I was like, yep. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So definitely get passing grade for me. Uh, but, you know, looking ahead, I, I know I never like went back to like do my shortlist. Uh, did, did you have something in mind? Like, were you going to do The Dentist or did you have something else that? Uh, oh, no, I think Fresh. Do? Fresh was Fresh? up next. Hell Fresh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, for those that haven't seen Fresh, uh, that was one of the uh, Hulu originals. Uh, that came out this past year, uh, which is uh, starring, it was uh, Sebastian Stan and uh, mm-hmm. Daisy Edgar-Jones mm-hmm. as your leads. Yep. And de- I know that was really high on my uh, my 2022 list. I'm sure it was oh, fuck yeah. for you, too. Fuck yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, so I'm looking forward to revisiting that uh, just because I haven't watched it since it came out initially. And that was like back, that was like really early in the year, too. I'm pretty sure that was a January release, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, from last year, yeah. Any any movie that can makes that can basically take me being okay with sawing a human corpse up out the back of your cabin and then pack. And the scariest part of Fresh, the scariest part of Fresh, is that it made me okay with dissecting and packaging human body parts. I was like, well, of course you would, because <laughs> you don't want to waste it, right? So, I mean, it. it and that's maybe says more about me than it does anything. But, <laughs> but I, but it was like okay. And then you get to the end of the movie, and you're just like, 
wait a minute. What the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I should talk to somebody, probably. But yeah, Fresh is Fresh is fantastic. Fresh is one of those movies where you're going to walk away just going, like, I, like, my wife watched it, and she was like, oh, this is good. And then she got to the end, and it was just like, and another one of the movies where she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think anything like, <laughs> particular. I mean, there's, like, probably a couple of small things that if you piece them together, it would probably make some... But, um... No, I, 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 I look forward to talking about it because there's a lot of a lot of moments in that movie where I I think that the if you look at the movie as a whole, I think it is very romantic. Mm-hmm. I think it is very capitalistic, um, and I think it's very elitist. Um, but then I also think it's very like down home i'm gonna fuck a bitch up because she loves my man so i mean like there's there's so much going on there and there's so many approaches that you can take and i think most people can find a place in that movie where they can relate and they can get on board and start rooting for somebody and you don't have to root for the same person i root for obviously not but you can root for somebody and that's a that's a pretty rare movie you know Yep, absolutely. So I look forward to revisiting that next week. And of course, we will be streaming it for Twisted Tuesday uh, next Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time over at kick.com forward slash Uh But in the meantime, guys, uh, oh, we, we need to talk about this really quick before we officially wrap up. Uh, so, you know, obviously... You know, we we did have a uh, a new release come out on Friday. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, why, why don't we do our, our our quick, you know, one or two, three three uh, sentence uh, review for the Nun two for for our listeners? Because <laughs> I know I know you and I are definitely on the the same fence. Ah, uh, uh, okay. By one or two or three line, okay, <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to keep it small. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Horror is still okay, and the nun two sucked the hair off my ass. Mm-hmm. It was awful. It was the same fucking scene repeated over and over and fucking over again. And true, I wanted I wanted it to be good. I wanted the Conjuring world to have another good little snippet to put in there. And this movie was I I. I found myself wishing I was watching the Pope's Exorcist because that was fucking way better. Um, no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I wanted it to be good. So many characters that could have been good. So many little little scenes that could have been good. All the scenes with the daughter, all the scenes with the handyman. Everything could have been good. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was disappointing. Yeah, I, I will preface this by saying uh, when it comes to mainstream releases that came out in the past 10 to 15 years uh the first nun would easily make my top five worst that uh i've sat through Uh, i was really the only movie that i've been considered leaving in the middle of uh but you know i i stuck it through i gave it a chance and when i went to go see the nun 2 i was uh i'm not gonna say looking forward to it uh i had very low expectations going in, as uh, you know, you would come to expect just based off of my feelings of the nun. And I, I will say the the opening was definitely a strong point. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that scene was very striking. Uh, really, the only other sequence in the movie that I, I wouldn't say I was wowed by, but I was like, oh, that's neat, uh, was when, you know, we do see the nun in her full glory in the third act when you're, like, looking up at the sky and you see, like, the moonlight and everything. That, that was cool. Uh, but everything kind of, like, in between is just, like, if you want to talk about uh, effective trailers and how it translates translates to the final film, when we're talking about the jump scares in this movie, which, you know, there, there are quite a few. I have never experienced something that was so formulaic that it's just like beat by beat I knew every moment that it was actually going to happen so it kind of just sucked all of the suspense out of the viewing experience for me where I'm just like alright well this is obviously going to happen at this point alright here comes the next one it's like alright that's uh that was basically the nun 2 from start to finish for me so I, I will say it was an improvement over the first one but really that's not not saying a whole lot. No, so I went and saw this with my buddy Trevor, and my buddy Trevor and I are we'll, he he and I will go and see the early Thursdays. Mm-hmm. That's what we'll do when something's coming out. Um, and so we leave work, we go and see this movie. We're both pretty excited for it, and we watch this movie. And then as I was driving home, he texted me and he said, and I quote. Did you fall asleep at one point? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I might have. And he was like, I thought so. I gave him the elbow and he woke right back up. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, so I, despite the work day, despite whatever else, like I, I love horror and I love new horror. And I fell asleep during the nun too. So I'm not a critic. I don't expect anybody to take what I say for anything. Just fucking enjoy listening. That's the whole fucking point. Don't, you know, I'm not fucking Roger Ebert. I mean, yeah, I'm fat. I haven't had jaw cancer yet, but whatever. I, but just it, it, do, go and do your thing. I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that to me is the equivalent of walking out, except I was asleep. Yeah, <laughs> my uh, my my buddy also uh, fell asleep at one point. Okay, movie, so, that, so. So, so we're right there. So, I mean, yeah, and I I think we talked before, like we said, this movie was, it started out so hot mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I saw the same scene and the same scene and the same scene, run up the stairs, run down the stairs, run up the stairs, run down the stairs. And I I don't know what's happened to mainstream horror in Hollywood and I don't know why it's so fucking bad now. Um, I don't know. I don't know why we have to work so hard to get a movie like Talk to Me, for example. Mm-hmm. Like Talk to Me was really good. Um, but it wasn't it was really good, but it wasn't special. You know what I mean? It was it was but it was really good. So I don't know what it takes to get movies that are just good. You know, um, you know, we'll see what happens with um the Saw movie coming up. Um I'm not super enthusiastic, but I'm gonna go see it because I'm a I'm a fucking get there early whore, just mm-hmm. like you are. Um, but I don't I don't I don't know what's happened. And I often wonder if we've gotten to a point with we'll call it mainstream horror, and mainstream horror being things that get a theatrical release that is, you know, 
has a has a trailer and has a specific date and but like are people this fucking stupid like i don't think they can be but like i look at the world and i'm like maybe they are maybe they're just this fucking stupid and uh, i said this before about two years ago or so my wife finally said to me she's like because i was getting really down on horror and i was i was getting to a point where i was starting to not enjoy it anymore and she's like so why don't you stop being like this asshole about horror and just ask yourself was i entertained mm -hmm. and it's like okay and then from there after i was entertained or not entertained was it an enjoyable film so that's kind of what i've been approaching everything with is was i entertained and with the nun 2 i was not even remotely entertained and i think that's the hard part it's like when you when you spend your money you know you spend the 15 bucks on ticket or 18 bucks on ticket and you go on and you buy popcorn and you do whatever else and you sit there and you're there for two hours and you walk out going what i don't what the fuck what, what was this you know mm -hmm. um and i get it I, I i love the conjuring universe i mean the best part of that movie was the fucking stinger in the credits that was the best part of that movie you know and it was like yeah hello father how can we help you and it was like ooh, okay but then at the same time, I also recently watched The Insidious, The Red Door, and that wasn't very good either. And it's like, so so where the fuck are we going? Like, what do we, I mean, you have this universe and you have all this medium to use and it sucks. <laughs> and it's just, it kind of makes me mad because I'm a horror person and I just want, so I'm going to, I'm going to go back to things like, and I, I hate to say this, I'm going to go back to things like DBS Studios. I'm going to go back to the Adams Family. And things like like Hellbender and and the deeper you dig, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back to the things that I enjoyed, mm -hmm. and it, it it's not a function of whether anybody else thinks that they're good. It's a function of whether I enjoyed them or not, and I enjoyed those things. You know? I, so, but, I I was really hoping that you're gonna mention Sky Sharks, but you didn't. <laughs> oh, dude, Sky Sharks? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, you know what? It goes back to that. <laughs> were you entertained or were you not? Right. And with Sky Sharks. Yep. I was entertained as hell. <laughs> and it was mostly because I had no idea what the fuck was going on most of the time. But you know what? That entertained me. Mm -hmm. You know what? Sky Sharks was better than The Nun 2. I'll just say <laughs> it. It was better. Because I was entertained. Mm -hmm. I was entertained and I was... I mean, and granted, Sky Sharks had the three Bs yep. that we talk about. You know? But... um the story was not cohesive. It was kind of all over the place, but it had a historical part, which I really dig. Um, so, I mean, things are either good or they're not. And I, yeah, I'm. I really hope that somebody in the world that has a lot more money and a lot more power than I do takes a hold of mainstream Hollywood studios approach to horror and starts giving us a better fucking movies to watch absolutely uh so with that being said guys again join us next week uh as we break down fresh which came out in 2022 and again we'll be watching that on twisted tuesday uh at kick.com for only drunk tuesday at 7 30 p.m pacific time but for now that will do it for us here tonight on hand with scare i've been your host totally drunk joined as always by my co-host grindhouse zombie and we'll see you guys back next week. You guys take care.